I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. We're back. Number one, thank everybody for the support. Thank everybody for the honesty. Thank everybody for being authentic with me. That's what I'm here for. The fact I do this makes me no better than anybody else. I just felt that I wanted a platform to be able to share people's stories, people who I find unique, people who I like their message. I like their vibe. I like what they represent. Not always is it going to be a super famous person, but it's people who, who I admire that I like. I like their vibe. And some of them are known. Some of them aren't known. I could care less about that. Is it cool to have known people? It is, but it's cooler to have people who are just themselves and are honest, man. So that to me is super important. So I'm always looking for that. If you know people that you like, reach out to me. We'll take a look. If I like the vibe, if I like the thing, we put them on. It's that easy. Talking about the podcast, once again, I want to send a special message from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Positivity. Positivity, always, always ready for us. It's always ready for us. Positivity, we can catch positivity from our phone, from music, from breathing, from looking outside. Not always is our phone negative. If we make it positive, that's how it goes. A lot of people, look, are listening to this podcast right now via their phone. That makes it a positive. I think positivity sometimes gets attached to the word corniness. So no corniness here. Hold all the corniness, just bring the positivity. So remember, if right now you're not having the day you want to have, the week, the month, the year, stop, take a deep breath, and remember, positivity is available to you right now. Promo code COACHHP, that's promo code COACHHP for a free, yes, I said this last time, I'll say it again, positivity is running a free lifetime membership. All you got to do is accept it. That's it. Hit the accept button in your brain. You got to fill out forms. Positivity is not going to spam you. It should, but it's not. It's going to get stored right in your brain, and that's going to go right to your heart. And it might seem a little stupid right now, but if you keep it in your brain and in your heart, and anytime negativity comes creeping around, because negativity likes to creep, you attack it with positivity. All right, today's episode I got my man, my brother, Jesus Motora Feliciano. Not the singer, though. This guy's even cooler than the singer, but he is Puerto Rican. Jesus Feliciano, right now, he's so privileged to be and well, well, well deserved. The first base coach for the Anaheim, for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim Major League Baseball team. He's a first base coach. He's also the outfield and base running coach. Me and this dude go way back. We played together here at Miami-Dade, 1998. He was a beast back then. Skinny kid, weighed 150, about 5'10", with his little hair, his little curly hair that used to rock high, but just all heart. 
great guy, earned it. I mean, earned the release five, six times, got called up a couple times, never played, got called up, come here, move here, go back over there, big league, minor league, big league, minor league. This is the episode to share. If you think you want to be a major league baseball player, or if you have a kid that wants to be a major league baseball player, this is the episode to share. It's your coach. Love every single one of you. Without further delay, my man, Jesus Motora Feliciano. Let's go. Like, what are we going to do about this fucking Cubano from the South, down, down in South Florida, putting together the firm with the palm trees behind him? He's a monster. He's controlling the market. Uno, dos, tres, boom, and we're on. Now, for, for the people out there, I've never spoken to my man, Motora, in Spanish, in English before. We only speak in Spanish. So we're going to try to mix it up, do a couple things. His English has gotten better yeah. than when I we first played <laughs> in 1998. 1998, yeah. Motora. Motora, back then, you didn't have a beard. You have maybe mm -hmm. a little mustache, little mustache. I have hair too. You had the curly hair, the curly hair. Do you miss your hair? Yes, sometimes. Not all the time, you know. Uh, now I look back and I feel way, way, way better looking, you know. So now I feel more comfortable with, uh, with no hair. How often do you shave it? Actually, during this pandemic and, and the virus, you know, I took a time off because uh, I was at home and I just kind of like let it grow. But uh, usually it takes me uh, like, I say like three days, three to four days, depends uh, how I feel. Motoran, do you wear a lot of hats all the time? Yeah, lately I've been wearing more hats. Uh, but uh, back then and, and, you know, like a few years ago, uh, I would wear a, a hat just at the ballpark. Your English, man, your English has gotten really, really, really good. Was that from living in places like Iowa, doing stuff like that? <laughs> how was uh, how, how hard was it to learn English, man? Uh, I think it's just a commitment on on you wanting to be better, a better teammate, better person. You know, trying to trying to reach out to people that doesn't know the don't know the the language, our language. So you guys may my life a lot easier that year in uh, in Miami and I have to thank you uh, because all you guys treat me really really well and uh, and I think you guys set my tone you know you guys set the tone by uh, by treating me uh, kind of like making me feel part of uh, of you guys you know because all you guys were from Miami and we were few of us that were from Puerto Rico but uh, I gotta tell you this: I didn't learn any. I didn't learn English in my. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what you learned, buddy? You learned how to hit the ball yeah, like crazy. I, yeah. There was there was nobody that hit lefty on lefty better yeah, than you, bro. Yeah. Right? How did you get so good hitting lefty on lefty? I think it was because of my dad, you know. I think I cheat on, on you know, I, I cheat against all you guys because my dad, uh, it's a left-handed thrower. He uh, he's, he's a legend back home in Puerto Rico. Uh, 
He wore the he was the flag bearer at the Olympic Games in 1988. Uh, pitch amateur baseball, and uh, he's a legend back home. So he's a left-handed and great BP thrower. So I think you know by me hearing of him all the time during the off season, you know, and my entire life, make me you know realize that I had to make some adjustments. Uh, rather than facing a, a righty. And I, I actually, when I was struggling, I, I rather face a lefty because he made me stay taller and uh, kind of like let me uh, let the ball travel a little longer. And uh, and I feel just comfortable, you know. I think back, back, back in the days, you know, another thing that helped me out is that nowadays a lot different because a, a lot of lefty, lefty, they will throw you a, a changeup out of nowhere. But back then I used to think fastballs all the time and get him up, and there was just two pitches. So if you miss your slider, you have to come with a fastball. So I, I try to make it uh, very simple. Motor, I remember you, bro, you used to wear the high socks. You know that? <laughs> yeah. Did you, when you played professional, did you do high socks also or no? No, no. I, uh, now I look back and I regret a lot. <laughs> 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 oh my god Motora, uh, since when i knew you you were already man a terrific not only not only baseball player not only hitter but just all around guy man but what age did you start to notice that you were good 25 years old you know it's funny that you asked me that and i know you have been around a, a lot of great players and and people that that give a lot of advice and you you have done, you know, like I want to take this time because I follow you and all that. And what you're doing to to young people, it's amazing, man. I, I'm very proud of you. And uh, and every once in a while, you know, I, I, I see your thing and uh, I hate it because I know sometimes even us, we need we need we need that encouragement. And, uh, and that's really big what you're doing to to young people. But to tell you the truth, I think. Uh, I think me understanding myself, learning, learning myself, uh, trusting the process, you know, all that stuff that uh, at an early age, you, you try to control all that kind of stuff that are not going to make you any better. It's going to put more pressure on yourself. And, uh, and that's what happened to me at an early age. You know, I, I try to do too much. And something that I was thinking about today was that, you know, and every time that I have these conversations with, with, with people like you is that sometimes people doesn't realize, especially when, when you're at a young age, when you're when you're competing and you're trying to be the best player that you can be, you're thinking that you're competing against your teammates or or, or the team that you're playing against. And actually, you know, the best thing that you could think is think about beating yourself, be be better every day and and try to be the best version of Jesus Feliciano, not a so-so, not Andres Torres, for example. Right, 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 right. The teammate of us, you know what I mean? Like, he's my boy, but, you know, like, that's that's those are the things that sometimes you start, You there's some guys that will learn it early, and those are the guys that separate from others, right? And uh, there's some guys that take a little longer like me, but it wasn't late. It, it wasn't late, you know, like, I, I, I took it and I said, you know what? I'm competing against myself. I want to do this. And these are the things that I have control of. It, it, it's so funny, Motora. Would your dad give you good advice, him being a baseball player? Would he tell you, listen, bro, chill out, 
relax because you were fiery man i remember if you would strike out or something you throw the helmet you'd be very 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 pissed would he talk to you would would he be one of the guys you would look to yeah obviously like every time that i struggle you know one of the funny things and i can give you a little uh experiences of mine uh he used to call me especially during winter league that they they get to watch you play on a you know like every day and stuff like that and when you struggle you know like you have people that comes to you and he used to call me every day and say hey man you know these guys are trying to do this to you they're 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 going a lot of inside they just kind of like they show you in but they go away and stuff like that and you're rolling over whatever and i always had an answer right like i say yeah yeah it's not that it's this you know like i always had you know like that you know how it is with with parents, right? Like we always try to say the the opposite, right? And uh, now you look back and you're like, wow. So I remember every time that I hang up, I was like, this guy, man, you know what I mean? Like why? He's always right. <laughs> He's always right, you know, like on the phone, I'm like, no, no, it's not that, whatever. But I hang up, I'm like, damn, this guy's unbelievable. But uh, yeah, he gave me, he gave me peace, you know, like I was a guy like, I used to like be too hard on me at time, but at the same time, I gotta tell you this. I think if if I wasn't the way I was at some point in my career, I would have not got so far either. You know what I mean? So that's the way I think. I'm not saying that that getting mad is good, but you gotta kind of like have a timing. You know, there there's always a timing that you have to. It's not like be mad at you, but say, you know what? Like every once in a while, you have to speak up and say, damn, you know what I mean? Like I need to get, you know, I need to get better. I need to make adjustment, whatever. But you cannot get used to on, on every bad, be mad. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing. You're not going to go anywhere if you do that. Motora, you were, this is why you deserve so much credit, man. You probably weighed in college, what, 160? We yeah. were super skinny, 140, man. 140, actually. 140. I graduated out of high school with 140. So at my at date, you were what, 150? Yeah, 150. Yeah. 150, what, like 5'10", 5, 5 what? 5'10", 5'10", with, you know, like trying to cheat a little bit, you Dude, know? Getting up, well, with the little hair you had, that 5'10", with that hair <laughs> that went up. And, dude, you were so strong, man. So strong. Such, such a good line drive hitter. So aggressive, man. Did you work out at all? Because you were super fast also. Like, your base running was incredible. The yeah. way you used to steal bases, take the turns, yeah. all stuff. What was your 60 time? At uh, one point, it was 6'5", six, 6'4". Six, actually, yeah. my best, yeah, my best, like, years were, were when I was there. And actually, I have to give uh, Andres Torres a credit because he was a work hall. You know, he was a – Listen, he was, listen, he was, that he was, dude uh, – He was Motora. a horse. Motora, he ran in Detroit. I heard he ran a five nine, five nine five, and uh, and when he did that, that was kind of like I think it was around two thousand one, two thousand. He did five nine five, and I heard that uh, the strength coaches were saying like, "No, this cannot be right." Whatever, and he say, "I will do it again," and he ran six flat the second time around twice. Wow! Yeah. But he was a man already, man. That dude was those legs and. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was a hard worker, man, and uh, you know, like I I actually like he was the he was the 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 chef in our apartment, and uh, he treated me really good. I think I think for him to be his sophomore year and me, you know, coming my first year, which I 
first couple of weeks, it's a little tough from, you know, like being away from home and all that. Uh, they did an awesome job. But what I remember you guys lived at that apartment across Miami-Dade. I went there, I think, maybe once or twice. It was you, Torres, Octavio, was Cuenca's with you too or no? Cuenca was there, but he was in love, so uh, he didn't got a chick. time. He actually kind of like moved out because he was he already had a girlfriend, Monica, and uh, he was actually he moved to to the, uh, her parents' house, and uh, we had Octavio Diaz, the Mexican. The which Mexican, he's doing, yes, sir. He's doing he's doing really good. Uh, he lives in Texas, and uh, no way. Yeah, he's he, he have his uh has has two kids, uh one boy that is playing is I think he's like 15 or 16 years old and uh Carlos uh Carlos Garcia infielder the, the Carlos, Venezuelan the Carlos Castillo Carlos, Carlos Castillo, Castillo. Yeah, yeah. Carlos Castillo was a good player he raked and uh the second year the second year he came back and did an awesome job too I remember Nice nice Okay You got drafted, I think, was it that year you got drafted, 98? I got drafted in 97, the year before, during the summer, and uh, I was a 36th round. And uh, didn't sign, uh, draft and follow, went to Miami-Dade. And actually, uh, you know, the funny thing is that I wanted to go back to Miami-Dade, you know. And uh, I remember Steve Hurts, Coach Hurts, he was all over my ears saying like, hey, you have to come back. If you come back, you're going to make more money. And, you know, and he knew, he knew I probably needed, uh, probably physically. Physically, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and, you know, I was, I was in, I was saying like, you know what, I'm coming back. But a lot of people were talking to me, you know, like trying to convince me. And uh, at the end of the day, I was the one that made the decision. But uh, I got paid like a eighth or ninth rounder uh, that year. So I knew I, I wasn't going to be a high draft pick. So at the end of the day, I said, you know what? I, you know, we're, we're, we're all looking for this opportunity. And I and I took it. Motor, and, and that was with the Dodgers? Yeah, Dodgers, 98. 98 Dodgers. How was that, man? How was your first year of professional baseball? Talk to me about that. Um, to tell you the truth, if I would have, if I would have signed at a high school, I would have been released probably after my first or second year. So uh, uh, that's how big that just one year in junior college, you know, uh, helped me, uh, you know, in my career. Uh, I think uh, when you when you sign professional baseball, you're playing against the same ages, uh, college guys. Yes, uh, I went straight to the to the short season, uh, Northwest League, which there's a lot of guys from, uh, you, you know, from Division One uh, universities and all that stuff. But uh But I had a I had a great summer. Uh, I think it was probably one of my best uh, years in baseball. I know it was a short season, but I stole 34 bases in 73 games, hit 300, soft 300 because I'm very realistic. You know, it was something that that if I look back, I, I will probably try to do different stuff. But uh, I lost a little bit my speed. So there's a lot of things throughout your career that you look back and you're like, you know what? I could have done this or that. I'll, I'll never regret a, of anything. The only thing that I, I regret is that I lost a little my speed, you know, like my aggressiveness on the basis, like you were saying, because I was trying to get a little bigger. And nowadays you have so much information and uh, you have so many great coaches 
that uh, that I think they're more prepared. Nothing against the coaches that, that we have because I appreciate a, a, a lot of uh, the coaches that I had, but I think more in structures, you know, like more uh, specific areas, you know, strength and conditioning, you know, like you have your hitting coaches, even I know they're calling gurus and all that stuff, but whatever it works for, for anybody, it works, you know what I mean? So you just have to uh, understand that you have to focus on the stuff that you're working on. But I think back then we didn't have that, you know? Motora, when off seasons, would you work with a hitting guy or would you, an example, get together with Jungo, with Andres Torres, and you guys would hit in a group? What were your off seasons like? That's, that's how it used to be, you know, like something that I learned, and I think that's why – I learned so much about this game is that I always wanted to be with the best guys, you know, like that doesn't mean that, yeah, you want to be with the best guys because you want to be like them some days. Guess what? Yes. You want to be like them. So you have to try, you have to try to get as much information from the guys that have done it in the past uh, or actually they're doing it at the moment because that's how you're going to get better. That doesn't mean that you're going to be uh, selfish and not trying to be with everybody and work with everybody. But something that I that I learned in this game and not just in the game, in life, you want to be with the people that wants to get better every day. And uh, that's what I used to do back then. We didn't have uh, hitting coaches like that, but I used to be around players that already were in the big leagues and guys that have done it in the past. And uh, that's you try to get something out of everybody that doesn't mean that all the information that you get is the information that is going to work for you but at least you can listen and see you know what if this is going to work i keep it if not you just gotta throw it away motora what uh what year if you being the dodgers did you become nick alvarez's roommate wow Nick Alvarez. I, actually, I, I found a picture. I think I took a picture the other day. I haven't sent it to him, but uh, I, I believe that was in 2001. 2001, yeah. I was, you know, like up and down, you know, uh, uh, in my career. I had a decent year, not a great year. He had an unbelievable year, you know, like those are one of the guys that you look back and you're like, wow, how how this guy didn't make it, right? Yeah, or And sometimes it's not, it's not because they didn't have the talent or or they didn't have the tools. It's just a, the opportunity, you know. Like his position wasn't as easy as you know, like playing shortstop or playing center field. You know, he was a first baseman. He played a little bit in the outfield and all that, but uh, he hit 20 homers in the Florida State League. You can count the people that hit 20 homers in the Florida State League, man. That's that's a it's a tough league to hit, man. You know, and uh, he he was a great teammate. Hard worker. I see him now on the, you know, Instagram with you guys and all that. And I see the passion that he has. And that was the same guy. You know, that was the same guy that played professional baseball. This guy always awesome. Great teammate. Uh, you know, everything he had, it was for, for, for his teammates and his family. You know, he's a family man. And I'm very happy that, that he's helping a lot of people and, and not just helping, you know, he's, he, impacting life and uh that's what it matters that's what you're gonna take with you you know 100 man 100 it's hard because of the people look at 
They want to, especially young kids. Baseball is different than anything else because we only have a window. There's yeah. a short time. Everything else is long term. Yeah. So you need a lot of confidence. You need a lot of humbleness to take instruction. To right. take, I mean, we used to when we played together. Hertz changed the lineup every single day. Yeah, you, you could go were, three for three, and next day you're probably not playing. <laughs> you, you could go three. No, no, three for three, you're playing. But if you went, if you were, Motora was first batter one day. Then he went over four, he put him six batter. Then yeah. he went two for three, he put him third batter. This dude was like playing dominoes every single hey, day. Analytics, man. He was analytic back yep. then. You know? Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> and when you were there, your first call up to the big leagues, Was that with the Dodgers or was that with the Mets? With the Mets, you know, I, I you know, like. The Did you get Rule Five? No, uh, sign a free agent. You know, like I had a, a, a few releases. You know, I got released by the Dodgers. I, I believe it was 2003 or four. And actually, you know, it's it's funny because uh, I think Nick was there too in Double A. But actually, I asked for my release because uh, because. We had we had a great great players there at that time. We had Jason Repko, uh, Shane Victorino was their center fielder. Uh, we had a lot of good players. Reggie Abercrombie, which played in the big leagues too. All these three guys that I have mentioned, they 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 all played in the big leagues. Were first rounders. So uh, so I was kind of like at one point in my career, I said, you know what? If I don't leave, I might my my career might be done. Right. So so at one point. Uh, I asked for my release, and uh, and actually they say, you know what, um, we cannot give it to you because uh, you're part of this organization. You're like they they call it organizational players, right? So with that being said, it's like you're you're a good player to play professional baseball. That doesn't mean that you're gonna play it in the big leagues, right? So, uh, but at the same time, they say, you know what, you never know. You might not play it in the big leagues here, but you might play someday uh, somewhere else, right? And uh, I remember having that conversation with Jerry Collins, which he's been, he had been a manager in the big leagues and all that. He was our field coordinator. So, uh, so at that point, he told me that, and I'm like, wow, like how I'm gonna get out of here? And a couple of weeks later, uh, Chain Victorino. Uh, was a weekly roof fight with the Padres, and he got sent back to the Dodgers. And I said, you know what? I think this is going to be the time. And and it was, you know, like you get down. The first time that you get hit, you know, like you get punched, it's kind of like the toughest one. That's what I wanted to talk to you. Talk to me. What did you tell yourself, Motora, when you found yourself, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm releasing myself. What did you tell yourself? At first, I was like... Wow, is this is happening, right? Like, I, I cried and everything. I remember the manager Dino Ivo, which he had been a big league coach for over 20 years now. Um, he's with the Dodgers. Back back with the Dodgers, he was he was with the Angels here. So uh, he was my manager, and I remember coming to his room at, at the hotel. And you could see his tears, you know, like he was about to cry too. And uh, really? we got down, you know, because he was my manager, you know, like he was one of the first guys that kind of like took care of me, right? Took care of you. And and, uh, and I remember having, you know, like you could see his his eyes and, you know, I got back to my room and cried a little bit. Went home, 
And uh, I was calm, you know, like when I got back home, you know, you get the support of your family. And uh, like six, five, six days later, uh, Tampa Bay called and, and signed me, you know, and uh, and something that, that you look back, you know, like I was already, I was young, but at the same time, I already played Winter League and all that. So I, I already had the experience of playing against big league players and all that. So uh, I feel very comfortable. Get back and believe it or not, my first professional game with Tampa was against the Dodgers. No way. Was against the Dodgers, went two for four, two RBIs. I killed them the rest of the year. That was in the way. We actually uh, threw a perfect game against the Dodgers in Jacksonville, and Nick was part of that team. And uh, we won one nothing. I hit the RBI double. And I uh, and I and I made a diving catch. So a lot of great things happening happen after that. But uh, but in baseball, you know, like you get a lot of up and downs. You know, it's kind of like a rally coaster. And uh, and something that you have to uh, realize is that it's gonna happen. It's not like you're gonna wait for bad things to happen and not think about those bad things. You gotta stay positive the whole time. But you gotta understand that there's going to be times that things are not going to go your way and you have to start thinking about, you know what, I have done this before. I have hit before if, if we're talking about hitting and uh, and kind of like go back to basics. Motora, so your first big league at bat, was it with Tampa or with New York? New York. Yeah, hey, I, I, went, I, I, I went and, uh, you know, like I think – I have to persevere, you know what I mean? Like the perseverance was the one that got me to the big leagues. Uh, had another release with the with the Nationals and uh, a lot of things, a lot of things. If we talk about my career, we we can we will be here all, all night. But uh, but I went through a lot. But that first at bat in, in, in the big leagues. You hold know, on, hold on one second, Motor. How many releases did you have? I had the Dodgers, the Nationals. I had one in Mexico because I went to Mexico when I was like 24, 25 years old. I'm hitting 300, get released. Uh, I got released. So yeah. that counts for two. So we're going to count that for two. So that's four. Where else? Did you yeah, get that, like the one in, in, in Mexico killed me. Not killed me, but it hurt me. First of all, because I didn't want to go to Mexico. That's the first thing. That was after, I think, Tampa. You know, in Tampa, I played a year and a half. Uh-huh. Uh, became a free agent, won a batting title in Puerto Rico. Wow. The, the race, the race tried to make me a pitcher because I was, you know, I was a pitcher and uh, got hurt. So I can write a book, man. I can write a book. So I go to Puerto Rico, win a batting title when I was like 24, 25 years old, could not find a job. When I finally made the decision on, on going to Mexico, I, I was like, damn, like I'm going to Mexico. I cannot believe at that age, right? So, so I went to Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> so I go to Mex I go to the Mexican League. I'm hitting, you know, like I had a good spring. Uh, I'm hitting 300 and all the coaches are worried. Uh, a lot of people are like, you know, like concerned with me and all that stuff. And I had like 17 runs scoring 22 games, something like that. And guess what? I got released. So I say like after that, I said, you know what? I I'm done. You know, like I I'm done. I told my dad, I say, I think this is time, you know, like for me to move on, whatever. Because I had a couple offers to go to uh, independent ball. 
Oh my God. And I say, and I say, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. And uh, I was recently uh, married, you know, and I say, like, I told the teams, I say, hey, the only, I don't care about the money. I just need a place to stay with my wife, whatever. But they say, no, you can, you know, we give you this money and you got to have a roommate you know, at, at this hotel or whatever. So I told my dad, my dad, that was a good thing about my dad. You know, like he always supported me and uh, he said, hey man, we're gonna, we're gonna welcome you with open arms. You know I mean? Like if you don't want to do it anymore, uh, don't do it. You know, if you feel that that is enough, is enough. So I said, if I don't find a job, I would not, I would not play it. And two years, two weeks later, the Nationals called me. So I played with the Nationals half of a year double ID well then the next year a lot of great players again guess what Jesus Feliciano got released in June in June got released wow. in 2005 something like that and my dad like that's what I told my dad hey if I don't get a job I'd rather stay at home you know like I would not play it and the, the, the good thing that kept me alive was winter league that's the difference from from Latin players you know from the players that that, that Dominicans, us, Venezuelan, you know, like we get to play in, in our homeland during during the offseason while, you know, the American guys have trouble finding those kind of jobs, you know. So that that's I think that was what kept me alive, you know, having good years in winter and finding a job. And that's when the Mets uh, gave me a chance in 2007. And I rate that's when I kind of like say, like, you know what? I'm just gonna control the things that I can, and I hit four. Uh, I hit 300 over 300 for, for four years in a row in the triple in triple. And uh, okay, Motora, stay right there. Stay right there. Okay, so to hit 300 in triple A, I got in a chance. What did you tell yourself? Was it like I'm not gonna try to hit home runs? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna hit the ball with the barrel. I'm gonna stay inside. I'm gonna go the other way. What did you tell yourself? Uh, I think the game will dictate what to do in every situation. It, it, it has it, it will in hitting defense and if you're pitching, you know, like you're gonna pitch the way the game is, right? So I, 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 something that it helped me out a lot is that my preparation and on deck circle, like thinking about. Uh, scenarios, you know, what's coming, you know, if there's a runner at first base, if, they got, if these guys, if this guy get to second base and there's one out, what are the things that I'm going to be looking? So, so every pitch to me, it was a different game. So, so to me, I used to control the game while I was thinking about the stuff that I was going to face. And, and, and again, the game will dictate what to do in every situation. And that helped me out a lot. Let's talk big leagues now, bro. When did you get that call up? I'm going to go one year before that. Let's do it. 2009. 2009, right? My third year. I'm raking again. I'm in uh, playing triple A. I get a call up. Jeff Francoeur uh, broke his, his thumb. And uh, we're talking about August. Uh, August 20-something. And uh, the, the Mets call and say, hey, you know, we want you uh, here in New York. Uh, you know, you're gonna get a call up, right? So, so you're thinking, okay, finally, I'm going to the big list, right? So, I get to to New York. I get to my hotel. They say, hey, just make sure in the morning, wait for our call, because Vancouver is gonna come. 
to talk to the doctor and we're going to make a decision. So I'm fine. You know, the team was going to fly out to uh, Miami, right? So I'm like, great. You know, my family, you know, flies to Miami. Everything is great. You know, I got finally I'm getting a chance to play in the big. Right? Okay, but hold on a second. So you fly into New York, LaGuardia or JFK? Uh, no, I drove because we were in Scranton. So you drove. Okay, so you drove there. I drove. What hotel did you stay in? Uh, Holiday Inn, right across the street, right there in uh, like uh, Flushing, right, like right in oh, front yeah, of uh, Queens, right yeah, in front of the yeah, right in front of the of the State Stadium. Uh, yeah, on um, on um, City Field now, City Field. Oh, this was City Field already. Yeah, okay, City okay. Field. First year is first year in City Field. So, wow. so I get there. I say, you know what? I need to buy some clothes because. You know, like I have no clothes. We were playing on the road. I went to I went to the mall. I get this call like at noon. I say, Eliciano, you know, I just wanted to let you know that we need you to go back to Scranton because uh, because Jeff Francoeur <laughs> because because Jeff Francoeur made the decision to play like that throughout the season. That motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like. I'm like, okay, man, like, okay, no problem. And, he, and they say, keep doing what you're doing. You know, you're doing a great job. Just be patient. You're going to have a chance, whatever. I say, okay, man, no problem. I could not believe it either. So went back to went back to Scranton. Uh, this is August 22nd now. This okay, Motora, on the ride back, you're driving back. I'm with a friend, yeah. What, you, you were with your wife or with your friend? Who friend, just a friend. I was with a friend. Okay. What were you talking about in that right back? I was fine, you know, because the same thing that I told you that I learned so many things throughout my career that I said, you know what? I have no control at all of this. You know what I mean? I'm not going to drive myself crazy. There's going to be bad moments. There's going to be times that you're going to think about all that stuff. But as soon as you can get out of your head, the best, you know, you're not doing any favor. You know, you're not, you know, help. You're not helping yourself. When you when you start thinking about negative vibes, right, negative stuff. So, so yeah, I was I was I was okay. I was okay with that because actually that was August. So I say September is that next week. So you think that you're gonna get a call up in September when they open the uh, when they expand the roster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. So this is twenty second. Two days later, I remember Eduardo Perez, Eduardo Perez from Puerto Rico. He called me and. Uh, there, there was a tournament that was going to be played in September. In It was a World Cup or something that they were going to play uh, in Netherlands, Spain, Italy. It was kind of like a World Cup, but uh, professional players, all that. So he called me in and said, I just got an email from the Mets saying that you're not going to be allowed to go to this tournament with us. He was going to be the manager because it's a – there's a possible September call-up. So nice. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, okay, man, this is going to happen. You know what I mean? They're not they're not allowing me to play for Puerto Rico. That means that I'm going to get a call-up in September. So September 1st comes, and they don't they, they don't call us up because actually our season in the minor league was going to be done in the 5th of September. So I say, okay, so maybe September 5th, I, I, get, the, I get the call. The call never came. They didn't call me. That was, you know, that hit me hard. Uh, hit me hard, you know. I'm not, not like it didn't hit me hard, but I was mad. Not Motora, mad. Did they, did they call you and say, listen, I'm sorry, 
No. We didn't call you. They don't say anything. They didn't say anything, but uh, like a couple of weeks later, a couple of weeks later, this is worse. A couple of weeks later, they call me and say, hey, you know, we just want you to know that you were the MVP of, of our AAA affiliate. And uh, every year, we bring every MVP for from every affiliate to come to get a, a present trophy or whatever in, in City Field. And I'm like, you know what? I made plans. I'm not going. You know, like, I'm sorry. I thanks for the invite, but I'm not going to be able to make it. And for real, like, I wasn't going to be able to. I, I, I had plans. So I call Alex Cora. One of my best friends, actually, he's my brother-in-law. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, so Alex, uh, so I call brother-in-law. So he married your sister. My sister, my sister. Okay. Yeah. So I call, I call Alex and say, hey, "Man, can you believe that you know the Mets just called me to to go to go to City Field and, and get a you know the MVP trophy and all that?" And at first, he was like, "Don't don't go," you know. What I mean, like, "You're right. Don't don't go. Whatever." But uh, like five minutes later, he called me back and said, you know what? I think you should go just be professional. Just be the professional that you have been all your career and uh, just take your trophy. You don't have to spend a lot of time there, but just show them, you know, like that you're a professional and all that. So I call and I say, it's a long weekend. It's like Thursday through Sunday. And I say, I can go Friday night, go on Sunday for the game to get the, the you know, the, the work. And fly me back right like right after, and uh, they did it. They were very glad that I went. Uh, actually, we had a breakfast. I remember, and Jerry Manuel is talking to to all the players and families and saying, like, you know what? For example, we have Jesus Feliciano. You know, this guy was about to get a call up and had his jerseys and everything. I don't know if he was trying to make me feel good, but I was actually. I, it didn't make me feel good at all. <laughs> 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 but actually, he uh, say all those things, and uh, Omar Minaya was great to me too. You know, like they signed me right after, and uh, went back to spring training. They said you're gonna you're gonna have a chance to kind of like show us that you can play it at this level. We know you can play in the biggies. Went to spring training, went like five or twelve, and I got caught on the first cut in the in the big league camp. You know, so I got sent back to Tripoy right after my first. Uh, Big league camp, first wave. I was part of it and uh, went to the, went to Tripoy. Had a great year. Uh, I was doing really good. At one point, I was hitting 400 with almost 200 at bats, and uh, I was raking. You know, controlling the things that I could. My dad and this is you know like to to go to that first at bat. My dad is in town in Buffalo. Uh, I'm having a great you know like great week. Uh, one time I get to the ballpark 10 in the morning, 10 in the morning. We're, we're playing a, a 12 o'clock game. And I remember uh, Ken Overfell, which was our manager, he say, hey, come over here. He say, I haven't posted a lineup because uh, I know you went five for five last night, but uh, you're not playing today. And uh, he said, the reason you're not playing is because you might get a call up tonight. And uh, that's the only reason I wanted before I post the lineup. I wanted to let you know that this might happen. Don't tell anyone. So I said, don't worry about it. I got to tell my dad that he's here. So fine. Told my dad, I'm in the dugout. Everybody's saying, like, you're, you're gone, man. Like, five or five last night and you're not playing tonight. That's, you know, that's not, you know, that's, it's happening. So I'm relaxed. The Mets are in San Diego. 
and uh, there is San Diego, the three hour difference, all that. So I'm waiting for this call, right? It's 12 midnight. 12 midnight, I haven't got the call, right? So I told my dad, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to sleep because you know, like, I'm not gonna keep waiting for the call, whatever. So I, I went to my room. Phone rings. Answer the phone. They say, hey, you know, like, you're doing awesome. We're very happy and all that, but just want you to know that we're not gonna make a move. You're you're go you're going back. You're going back to Buffalo. You're going back to the field tomorrow. Oh. Uh, just just be patient. Whatever your time will come. I say okay. So I went to my dad at the living room. I say, they just call me and say that I'm not getting a call up. And my dad is looking at me and say, you know what? And I'm blessed. Like again, like like I said, like my dad. My dad said, you know what? Like things happen for a reason. And I have to tell you this. If you call me, if you call me and tell me all this thing is happening to you, I might not believe you, you know? Like if you told me that these guys didn't play you today, they told you that they were gonna call you up and all that stuff. And you tell me at the end of the day that they, they told me to go back and, so he's, I, 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 that gave me a little relief. I'm like, you're right, man, like imagine that. So I just kept playing and uh, two weeks later, I finally get a call up. <laughs> oh, no, no, don't rush it, dude. Okay, so two weeks. How did that day go? Talk to me. When did they let you know? First of all, who calls you? Is it the GM? Is yeah, it they, sometimes they call uh, GMs or uh, minor league director. Uh, okay. There's a lot of people, so they call you. Who was the minor league director at the time? Uh, was it Jousey yet? Was it Jousey yet or no? No, uh, Jousey was our uh, bench coach. He was great to me, always great to me. and uh, With the big league team. Yeah, with the big That's the year. Okay, we'll get to Jousey a little bit later. Okay, so they call you. Where were you? So I'm in – I'm trying to think. I know I was – I forgot where I was, actually. I, I, I know where I was, but I forgot the name. Uh, where Baltimore played uh, in Tripoli. They used to be in Virginia. Uh I forgot, but actually, we have a day of birthday. My birthday. Have a day of my birthday. Uh, I think the Mets are playing. And actually, when they were gonna call me up, the reason why they didn't call me was because Henry Blanco, somebody got hurt, and they had to call up a catcher in front of me. Uh, couple of days later, couple of days later, they call a catcher, and then uh, we have a day off, and they say, hey, definitely, you're you're going tomorrow. You. you there's no way that they're gonna keep three three catchers at the time, and uh, you're you're the next move. And we were reading, you know, the news and all that stuff. All my teammates they say, "Hey, man, it's time for you to to leave." So uh, so the next day we're playing a day game, and uh, and when I went to the to, to the field and to the clubhouse, Ken Overford called me and said, "Hey, finally, man, you're you're out. You know, like you're going to New York, and uh, I feel relief." But like you ask a lot of people when when they first got that call up and your people cry, people get very excited. I was neither, you know, like I was more relieved because of all the things that I went through. Uh, I knew that a lot of people was gonna be very very happy. You know, my family, the people that supported me for all my all this time. So. I feel that I feel more relief for, for them than even from, you know, for me. 
First, how long before your first major league at bat? Uh, went to New York. We had a day off, so I got there, uh, had a good dinner. Next day, my family's in town. Uh, Alex Cora was on the team, so that's, that, that was awesome. I had a, you know, like great friends of mine were, were part of that uh, of that situation. And uh, the next day we played and I didn't have an at-bat, but in, in, in the National League, you got to be on your toes because you never know when you, you can come in, you know, pinchy, double switch and all that. So you have to be ready. And uh, something that I learned and I'm experienced that as, as a big league coach right now is that after every game, you're exhausted. You're tired mentally because you're you're focusing so much on, on, on what's coming and what you're going to face and preparing yourself that at the end of the day, if you're not tired, that doesn't that means that you didn't work right so i used to feel like that those three months that i played in the big leagues and uh and didn't play that day then the next day we have a double header we have a double header and uh first game i had my first at bat against mike adams uh strikeout you know it's either a strikeout or a homer right so i wasn't <laughs> gonna hit a homer So <laughs> I, I had a good swing out. I put a good swing on my second uh, on the second pitch, fall off a high cheese. You know, uh, I had a good swing on it, just missed it. And uh, so first pitch was a backdoor slider. Backdoor slider, we're losing by two runs in the eighth. Backdoor slider, first try, fastball, foul, foul tip, straight back. And, oh. uh, and the next pitch, and the next pitch, it was a uh, a little higher, a little higher than the one before, and I swung you through saw it, huh? <laughs> Motora, yeah. how hard is it? I've never hit in a big league stadium. Is it intimidating when you see that whole stadium like that yeah. man to hit? Yeah, it, it, it feels intimidating as soon as you get in. Not even even as a even as a fan, you have as been a, a fan. Big yeah, field. Yeah. I like, you go know, when you go to a big league field. I went to there for the first time since I've been here, and I went to to the stadium and and you look and it's it feels that like you're somewhere else. It, it feels that like you're you're in heaven for us. Like in a coliseum, yeah. You're like in a coliseum. Yeah, when you're when, when we have been in the game so long, and it's a like great feel, right? Like you get to the field and you're like, wow, yeah. we're blessed, right? Like, and that's the way I feel, you know. Like you go to every big league game and you feel that muster and all that and all that stuff, and it feels great. How long were you with the Mets? With the Mets, including minor leagues, almost six years. And in the big leagues? In the big leagues, just half of a year. Half of a year, okay. How did you, what, what did you average? What was your average? 230, um, something, you know, like just 100 at bats. Uh, I feel that the first uh, opportunity that I got to play when I got up, uh, played almost every day. I did very well. My first time that I got sent down, uh, I was hitting well. I was hitting like 280, 290. And, uh, and the reason I got sent down was because Carlos Beltran came back. That was, uh, that was in 2010, which, His first, uh, when he first came back, he, he missed the first half. So after the first half, 
he comes in and uh, and I get sent down. That time I was playing well, but I had no room. They had no room for me, Not so no I room. sent down. Yeah, and then a week later, I started getting. You know, I st started uh, bouncing around, like going up, sending down, getting up, and uh, I didn't have a true opportunity uh, after that first time that I got to the big leagues, but. Uh, you look, you look back, and uh, and I always think about being relieved and all that stuff. And I think, uh, look back, and I say, you know what? I think I was pleased with getting to the big leagues, not thinking about, you know what? I can play two more years here, and I can push it a little more. You know, I feel like I was pleased. And it's not like I got comfortable because I never stopped working, but probably mentally on um, um, trying to set my role wasn't there, you right. know. Right, and, right, right, right. and it's something, and it's something that you can make a living in the big leagues as a backup guy, as a pinch hitter, and all that stuff. And the only thing is that you you don't prepare yourself for that in the minor leagues. In the minor leagues, you played every day. You know, you, you, you're you used to play every day, and then when you get to the big leagues, you start getting pinch hit at-bats here and there. Uh, you get one at-bat today, and then there's two days that you prepare yourself. You don't get at-bat. And then the next day, you, you're you facing Billy Wagner, you know, one at-bat. So Good luck. I that, yeah, I think the strongest guys uh, mentally are the ones that are very successful uh, at the highest level. You know, even the guys that play every day, they have to have a mindset and, and prepare themselves. I think that the all the helps that you have, you know, like Ken Ravisa, for example, like he was a great mentor of us. Uh, that was kind of like the first guy that I got to talk about baseball, you know, like mindset and all that. But uh, now you don't even need a guy. You you have you can visualize, you can meditate, you have you there's a lot of stuff out there. You don't have to do it all. But I think if you have a routine in your career, including that part of of of, of, of the daily basis, I think uh, that's gonna make you a, a better not just a better player but a better person. You so you played half a season. Was that your last season of baseball as a player? Nah, I played a couple more years. Uh, year later, and uh, you know, like even my agent is saying, like, "Hey, man, you know, just for you to play it in the big leagues, you know, this is this is going to open more doors." Right. So right. that's what like what I thought was going to happen. It got it got worse. It was tougher for me to get a job, so uh, it was tough. And at the end of the day, I ended up uh, signing with the with the Mets because those were the guys that knew me, but they didn't have anything in in. Uh, they kind of like move on on me, you know, uh, especially to play at that level, right? So uh, they had a few other players that were ready to play right, at right. that level, and I was kind of like that guy that could, you know, could help others. So play played there, and then I almost made a team uh, in Tampa in 2012 with Joe Madden. Was Bobby Ramos there? Who? Bobby Ramos. Was he coaching? Uh, no. no. He wasn't there I, yet? No. Not in 2012? Okay. Once you – once that happened – so Tampa was the last team you played with. Yeah, that was the last team I played, and then I played a little bit in in, uh, in Mexico again. 
Okay, Mexico, bro. They didn't go well. <laughs> they didn't go well. Again. <laughs> Only vacation in Mexico, bro. Don't play baseball yeah. in Mexico. Just yeah, vacation. Right. They didn't Mexico. go well. And actually, it's a good league. It's uh, it's very organized. You know, the schedule works out perfect. It's just uh, there's something about the league, you know, like too much pressure. And it's not the pressure. It's just like you can go four for four or four for five and you miss one at bat and you lose, they lose because of you, you know, and uh, those are the things that you, you don't have fun anymore. And, uh, and I had that in mind the last time I went, I said, you know what, I'm just going to play baseball. I'm not going to think about anything, but then you play a week or two and then you start kind of like feeling the same thing, you yeah, know, yeah, same yeah. Thing that I was saying, and I uh, didn't, didn't have fun there. Motora from there, did you go right into coaching? Uh, it's this is funny because uh, that was 2013. Uh, played in the World Baseball Classic. That's why I stayed home. Didn't find a job, and then in the middle of the season, that's when I made the decision on on going to Mexico. So I go to Puerto Rico. Play. I say, you know what? I'm gonna give myself a chance. You know, I'm playing winter league. You know, I'm playing at home, so I'm doing well. Uh, playing winter league. My wife. Pregnant, uh, we're expecting a baby. I'm uh, playing baseball, but you know what? It's almost over. And in December, I get a phone call from a good friend of mine, uh, Edgar Perez, which is a cross checker for the Red Sox, and uh, told me that he was talking to Theo Epstein and a few of his friends from the Cubs, and uh, they were asking him for an outfield base running coach that uh, that could coach because they were looking for a guy like that. And the first name that came up to his, you know, head was, was me. And he called me. And at first I get the call. I'm like, mm, I'm not, you know, I'm not there yet. Right. Like I, I, for a moment, you're like, you're in between. Right. And uh, I have a couple, I had a couple of options. My agent wanted me to work for him and his company and all that. So I wasn't like really, I knew I could, do it but I wasn't ready you know at that point but uh so I hung out with them called my agent and friends and and they told me you know what these last few years have been very tough for for us to get you a job so why you don't try to get that job if you like it you stay if not you move on and come to us you know you have you have this you have a plan b here so so I made a decision on coaching and uh if To tell you the truth, if I knew I was going to be a big league coach after five years, I would have retired a long time ago. <laughs> okay, now, wait, wait, step by step. So when you started with the with the Cubs, yeah, what a high A? Where did yeah, you start? Uh, short season A. Short season A became a hitting coach. Uh, my first year outfield coach. Uh, Daytona? In Daytona? No, they were in uh, – Daytona was – High A. So I was in uh, Boise, Idaho. So I went back after 16 years from playing that same league. I went there as a coach. Wow. You know, so uh, so great ride. Uh, had a great experience. And actually, what the decision that I made was, okay, I'm going to coach. If the Cubs allow me to play Winter League, I'm going to do both. I'm going to coach in summer. I'm going to play Winter League. So I did it for two years. I coached uh, in Boise. Uh, and the thing that I know you guys have gone through, and Nick, I'm pretty sure Nick goes through the same, uh, you kind of like go back to basics and you actually forget about how simple you can make things, right? Right, right. So you start getting to this level, you know, you get to higher levels and there's so much information and so much, so, 
so much of a technique and all that stuff that you actually forget about the simple stuff. And uh, for me to go back to basic with those kids, uh, it took me to another level. I went back home, hit 356 wow. in Winter League. And uh, all the players in the minor leagues from the Cubs fell in love with me because they say, how you don't play for almost a year and you go back home and play Winter League against Javi Baez, which he was already a big leaguer. I'm playing against Javi Baez in Puerto Rico and nice. I'm coaching in the minor leagues, you know, uh, <laughs> coaching in the minor leagues uh, for the Cubs. So I had a great experience. Coach for, uh, I think, was two years and then I managed two years. Uh, great experience, you know, like working with young players, I think uh, made you realize you can see yourself through them, right? And I think, uh, like we were talking, right, Con controlling the things that you can. And, and, and something that, that I feel very proud of is that every time that they need a little advice, that's when, when we come in, right, as a coach. Those are the times you have to find the timing on when and when not to get to a player, right? There's times that you have to just leave them alone and and let them process stuff. But uh, there's always time to to impact life, and uh, and that what I, that's what I have done. You know, like being in the cage, flipping balls, and then stop for a moment and talk to them about. I'm pretty sure that you're thinking about last night, for example, right? And I'm pretty sure you go back home and you're just thinking about baseball instead of thinking about your family and call them and. You know, so those are the things that actually, uh, as a coach, especially uh, at our level, even even in the big leagues, you know, there's time that those guys they just need to talk about something else, not just about baseball. So, I remember when I reconnected with you, you were was it you were still in Idaho or Iowa? Uh, I don't remember. You were the AAA hitting coach. Actually, no, two years, uh, that was in Tennessee. I was going to go to Iowa as a hitting coach. I ended up being in uh, in in Tennessee as a hitting coach. So that was my last year with the Cubs. Uh, Cubs, they are a great organization, man. Uh, what they have done uh, these past, I say, eight to nine years have been outstanding. And, uh, and I have a lot of great friends over there. Let's talk hitting real quick, Motora. What's your philosophy, man? Are you launch angle guy? Are you because you're lefty, you had a little uppercut swing, but you could stay above the high ball really well, too. You wouldn't go under it. What's your one philosophy, man, to get people to hit? I think I think balance is one of the most important things. You know, like to me, there's like five things, you know, you have to have balance, balance, you have to have vision, you have to have rhythm, timing. And that mental approach, you know, I think uh, I think we we leave that to the end, but to me that's first and last, you know, like throughout throughout all that process, you have to have that mental approach that's gonna get you and and you're gonna find your rhythm and your swing and timing by re repeating things, right? So I think you you have to do things with a purpose in order for you to be able to repeat things. And uh, just don't don't take not just a pitch off, but a swing off, right? So other thing that I believe too is that drills and routines do not fix the swing. I think uh, it is important during during that process that you know to me it's more important. You know, it, it is the thought the thought process. You know, during during that. You know, so 
again, I'm, let me go back that my my English ran out of gas right there. So. No, you're good. No, you're no, good. No, 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 no. I'm gonna say it again. I'm gonna say it right. Drills and routine do not fix the swing. You know, it is the thought during that process, right? So you can do whatever drills you want. You can hit side toss. You can do whatever, right? You can hit up the fuzz machine and all that stuff. But it's the, the thought that is gonna help you during that process, right? So those are the things that, you know, that, that it comes to my mind right away. And you gotta have that eye-hand coordination, you know, to, to have the ability to manipulate the barrel, right? That's something that, that is big for me. Vamos a decirlo en español rápido, motora, para que la gente, para que la gente que hable español. Para los bateadores, tú que eres un profesional en el bateo, tipo que bateaba mucho, zurdo, un poquito de levantabas la bola, pero la bola alta, te quedabas arriba y metías unas líneas increíbles, increíbles. Un bateador, ¿qué tiene que tener un bateador? Para mí lo que te dije, ¿verdad? El, el balance, ¿verdad? Este, tener la visión, tener ritmo timing y lo que estaba diciendo que es lo de, de, de tener la mentalidad, tú tener una, eh, una mentalidad en tu approach, tú sabes, este, primero y último para mí es lo, lo, lo mental, porque eso te va a ayudar a, a tu poder repetir tu swing y hacer las cosas con propósito. Yo creo que, que todo el mundo es diferente. Eh, tú puedes ver eh, bateadores y tú como coach, Tú puedes decirle cosas que hacer, pero para mí que cada jugador tiene, tiene su esencia y, y cada bateador pues, pues tiene que identificarse, know yourself. Tienes que conocerte tu swing y la habilidad tuya de, de, de poder eh, hacer ajustes, eh, no eh, de turno a turno, sino picheo a picheo. Tú tienes que tratar de, de tener esa presencia de competidor y yo creo que, que tú... Algo que, que las personas deben aprender es que cuando tú estás con, contra un lanzador o, o sea bueno o sea malo, tú tienes que tener tu mismo approach. No es lo mismo. Algunas veces uno está con un lanzador más o menos y, y tú pues te sientes cómodo, haces un approach diferente y después cuando viene un pitcher bueno, pues tratas de cambiar cosas y tú tienes que tratar de trabajar para que tú puedas repetir y ser repetitivo con, con tu mecánica de bateo. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Motora, when Brad Osmus calls you, how was that? It was awesome. Uh, the first time, actually, I had an interview with the Cubs before and the Phillies uh, that year in 2018 uh, with Kapler. Um, didn't get the job. Uh, so, so I'm dealing with a lot of stuff. You know, uh, people are calling and asking you things. And uh, then later on, actually that year, I was in the fall league with uh, with the Cubs, and I uh, have a good friend of mine, Lou Marson, former catcher, played for the Indians. Uh, he's been coaching for the Angels for the past two three years, and he was the manager at that time in the fall league. And uh, with the you know like you know how it is that it's five organizations in one team, so we were we were together, and he used to tell me like why you're not coaching in the big leagues. You're a big league coach. You're not a hitting coach. He would say, like, you're not a hitting coach. You're a big league coach. Uh, or if you're in the minor league, you should be Manny. I remember him telling me that. And uh, and I was like, man, you know, like, I'm very uh, happy with what what I have right now with the Cubs. You know, I feel comfortable. You know, uh, if I go somewhere else, it has to be for something better, right? 
So I remember that he used to tell me that he was talking to some of their front office people. Uh, Mike Gallego by then used to be the minor league uh, director, player development or, or something like that. And uh, Jeremy Reed just got that hitting coach job at that time. So we're in Arizona and uh, it's funny because Jeremy Reed now said that he used to go to uh, Mesa to scout me. He said, like, I used to watch you throwing BP and all that stuff. And uh, now you know, but we used to go to just see you, you know, like just to play around. But a lot of people kind of like uh, say positive things uh, about me. And uh, I remember Billy Epler calling me our GM, uh, telling me that they were going to fly me into uh, Anaheim to, to have an interview with them. So... So I think uh, the most important thing in, in, in any kind of job is be yourself. And uh, had a, I, think, uh, I think the interview went, went great. If not, oh, I will, oh, let's go step by step, step by step. If not, I won't were be you, here, right? No, of course, of course. Were you nervous in the interview? Uh, at some point, you know. Uh, before, you know, obviously before. Yeah, sometimes, the game, sometimes it's like the game. The game speed up on you, right? Like I'm of pretty course, sure you have gone course. through. <laughs> of course. Yeah, how'd you go dress? How'd you go dress? Uh, nice slacks, you know, nice jersey, you know, like nice, nice shirt, you know. Okay, nice resting shirt. So, so I was, you know, I dressed nice. Uh, be, you know, trying to be very professional. But what uh, did they ask you? What did they ask you in the interview? A lot of things. A lot of things. You know, where where you come from? You know, uh, sometimes they ask you. That's kind of like the way they start. You know, like asking you, like. Um, you know, uh, talk to me a, a little bit about you, you know, talk to us a little bit about, about you, about your career, and they already know uh, where you're coming from and all that, but uh, I think that's the way, you know, like, they want to get to know you better, um, and I think uh, I think it went well, you know, like, I feel that, uh, that, that it was me, you know, and, and when you start talking about something that you know, and something that you have done for so long, it, it comes a lot easier. How does it feel? So your responsibilities with the outfielders and base running and yeah. you coach first base, right? Yeah. 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 How do you like coaching first base, bro? What, what is that about? What do you do? Like, what, what do you like about it? I think uh, when, when you haven't been in the game, you think about first base coach. Uh, first base coach just standing there, get the batting glove, shake their hands, whatever. But, remember uh, Cheech? Remember we used to have Cheech? Yeah, I'm still right? <laughs> Cheech! Yeah, so, uh, so people think about just like, hey, nice job, whatever, but there's a lot of information that you have to to give. Uh, you have to prepare yourself, uh, like I was saying, like not just uh, – being a player, but as a coach, you have to prepare yourself, you know, before every series and have the right information, know, knowing your players. You know, there's a lot of players that wanted to know something that probably uh, Allenton Simmons don't want, right? So Mike Trout wants something, the other guy wants something else. So so you have to prepare yourself and uh, be ready. So so if they ask you for something, you have to make sure that you're giving the the right information and trying to put them in the in the best position to be successful. Motora, let's talk real quick outfielders, man. You have probably the best player, the best outfielder in the game. What drills do you like 
to train outfielders? What, what, what is a couple of them that you're like, man, I like to do this? Because this is what I think, especially with the young kids. Everybody just gets back and just starts hitting fly balls. They don't talk about jump. They don't talk about reads. They don't talk about the sun, the wind. It's just, hey, here's fly balls and scream at people. What do you, drills do you like that you do? It's great that you say that, that, you know, like talk about the sun and all that stuff, balls off the wall, all that stuff, because uh, we we do all that stuff during spring training and during the season. But uh, to me, something that, that people don't talk much is about your setup. You know, uh, you have to have a setup. You know, we, we, when we talk about hitting, what I say, right, balance and being balance. a good athletic position, right, it's the same thing on – on, on, in the outfield, uh, in the outfield, you have to be ready uh, for every pitch. You cannot take a pitch off. Uh, your setup have to be there. What uh, setup do you like, Modora? Do you like feet like this? Do you like a little bit like this? What do you like? In square, square is good. Square, square is good. good. Uh, I, I, I like to do like like an infielder, kind of like have that little like uh, crease step, you know, like Perfect. just uh -huh. just have a little movement. Uh, I feel back back in the days, everybody's saying like, hey, you have to have your hands on your knees, but that to me, that doesn't get you anywhere. So I feel you have to have some rhythm, right? You have to have some rhythm. You have to have some movement uh, by the time that ball is going to be hit so you can have a momentum, right? You can, you can, you can have a momentum and you can be moving, right? So if you're, if you're static, it's a lot tougher for you to re react. So I think those first couple steps are the most important ones. And uh, there's a lot of drills, man. There's a lot of drills. I think the best drill that it's in baseball is wrist balls off the bat. That's that's the closest that's thing. The that you can, that's the closest thing that you can get from from uh, from an outfielder. Uh, and I feel like during BP, you have to kind of like challenge yourself. There's going to be days that you say, you know what? I'm going to play a little shallower today. I'm just going to work on balls over my head. There's days that you kind of like play a little deeper. There's other stuff, especially nowadays, especially our levels with all the defensive positioning. You, you, you do so many shifts and sometimes where you're shagging, you're shagging in the same spot. I, I challenge our guys to kind of like move around and kind of like see different angles and stuff like that. There's a lot of drills I like. I like bare hand drills, even when you're tossing a ball instead of glove, you know, uh, work on your on your pre-pitch and have a good crossover and kind of like go back and grab it with a bare hand. Um, something that I like, and I know sometimes we talk about drop steps and all that stuff. I like, I like actually before, before you do your drop steps, you know, like how sometimes, you know, I'm pretty sure you have been in, in baseball, you know, like in baseball clinics and stuff like that. Let's do drop steps and the guy go, go. And you go like that. You're not taking anything about those first couple steps. So I like to kind of like, Toss a ball up in the air, and when the ball when the ball is about to land, that means that that's contact. So you're taking your pre-pitch, you're getting ready. When you see that ball land, that's when the ball is hit, and you can like, react, right? Got so it. those are those are good drills. Uh, there's a there's another drill that I like. There's uh, two junior hack attacks, right? You have two junior hack attacks, creating with a good angle, uh, and you can like show them both balls. And you just feed one. Got so it. you're like this. The guy's ready. He's going to get set. And you just feed one ball. And the guy and has to jump. react. And you have to react. So I like that one. And and what you can do, you can manipulate that. You, you can make it easy. 
or if the guys wanted to be challenged, you can see the best outfielder saying, you know what, I want more. So they get shallower, you know. Right. So, uh, I think I think you have to do a little bit of everything. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff, you know, that you can you can take something out of it. Nice. Motoro, what did you learn about Mike Trout, man? What has he surprised you? What what makes that guy so good in your opinion? Humble. Uh, he's accountable. He's you know he's very accountable. Uh, he want to make the people around him better. You know, uh, it's not just about Mike Trout. You know, and you can see that. Uh, you can see that. You know, like you see this guy coming in in a room. You know that this guy is good, <laughs> obviously, but he wants to make everybody in the room feel good and feel part of of, of his team. Because uh, he knows that uh, for him to be able to win a World Series some someday, uh, he will need the other 24 guys, right? So uh, that's the kind of guy he is. Uh, he's a fun guy to be around. And people are going to be saying, like, yeah, he's a fun guy because he's rich and all that stuff. But uh, this guy has uh, a passion, not just in baseball, but, but in life. This guy is uh, a hard worker. He's not pleased. He's never pleased. You know, like he hit one homer, he, <laughs> you better be ready because he wants to hit that second one, right? So uh, this guy plays hard, runs balls out better than anyone in the game. Uh, and you can see that. Like, you know, we experienced that last year. Uh, uh, last year he hit a routine ground ball at to shortstop, uh, to Seaman, a shortstop from the ace. You know, we got one out, Grumble to shortstop. He gets the ball, he throws it, bam, bam, safe, and we scored three runs. Next inning, he hit a two-run homer, you know, and uh, and those are the things, like, people think about, you know, the homers and about how great he is, but they don't look at, at, at the guy that rumbles out, steal a base when he has to steal a base, make a great catch, uh, and doesn't take anything for granted. I, t I totally agree. Totally agree. I was worried, man, when, when they let go Osmus, I was like, oh, my boy Motora's going to be in trouble. <laughs> He's going to be in trouble. But I didn't know that you played for, for Madden yeah. before. Talk to me about that process. I love Madden. Bro. I'm a big Madden guy. I've always loved him. Talk to me about that process, man. Did you know you were coming back? Were you a little worried? Uh, at one point, uh, not like I was worried, but when you see all these movements, you know, like you never know what's going to happen. Uh, I'm very grateful for uh, for the opportunity that they gave me uh, last year for the first time. And I have to thank Billy and uh, Brad was awesome to me. This is a guy that I still in touch with him. Uh, this guy uh, has that passion. This guy had been in the game for so long that 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 he knows the game, very smart, but in this business, things happen, you know, and uh, he's not the first guy that have gone through something like this, you know, and uh, I wish him the best because he deserved uh, a lot of great things. And uh, with Joe, uh, we didn't know that Joe was coming. It, it was a period of time uh, that we didn't know that uh, who was going to be the manager, but a lot of people were wondering if it was going to be him and uh And we're we're very lucky to have him, man. This guy, it's uh, it's he's something else. It's uh, he's a guy that knows uh, 
he knows what the mental game is. You know, uh, he believes that that is more mental than physically. He believes that that you need to to encourage your players and be positive. You know, to to show them that you're here for them and and to be engaged. You know, like our our main goal is to be engaged as an organization and as a team. And uh, in this short period of time, this past couple months, that first spring training, he set the tone uh, right away. From day one, he set the tone, and I think that's what's going to help us out to go through what we're going to go through these next couple months. That's going to be a crazy season. couple more questions, Modora. couple more. When you played, what was your walk-up song? Do you remember? I had a few. I like Wisin e. Yandel. Uh, he he's my he's my boy, uh, Wisin e. Caballo. So most what of song. The, do you remember the song? Which was which songs? I remember one. I remember one that that it was. Y ahora dale sin miedo. Ahora hasta que te rompa el suelo. What's the name of the song? What's the name of the song? Uh, I don't know if it's hasta hasta que se rompa el suelo, but I don't know. Uh, Oh, yeah, I heard that one. All right, all right. Motora, how does it feel to be a dad, man? Unbelievable. The best thing that had happened to me changed my life. Oh, yeah. Demasiado. You know, ella es la luz de mis ojos. Danica Patricia, she's six. Danica, Danica. Yeah, Danica. Why Danica? Uh, we were looking for names. Uh, we were thinking, uh, looking, you know, searching. Uh, I like Patricia because uh, my sister-in-law, uh, her name is Patricia. So we were looking for names, and my wife came to me and said, hey, what about Patricia? And I'm like, uh, what about Danica? And I'm like, Danica? So if it's Danica, it's going to be Danica Patricia, Danica Patrick. And my wife didn't even know who Danica Patrick was. So, uh, no yeah, she didn't know who Danica Patrick was. So I say, Danica Patricia is, uh, she's very smart. Uh, you know how it is. We're trying to give them the best and uh, support them. And uh, and she's, oh, yeah, la, la, la luz de mi soho. I love her. And uh, you do, you now you, you don't think about yourself, right? All you're thinking is to, to give her the best life she can have and uh and to be a, a humble person are you gonna have more or no we'll see man uh the bullets are you know we have to see uh, how, much, <laughs> how many bullets i have you never oh, know buddy, you got a lot of bullets we're already gonna talk about that you're <laughs> don't, this show's gonna go a whole different way if we start doing that route you, you gotta pound, wait. Baby. Pound for pound. Wow. Don't start doing don't don't do that to us, Motora. We're not ready for that. No, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> listen to me, bro. Listen, listen. I am so proud of you, man. I'm so happy for you. You couldn't be more special on the field, off the field, with what you've been through. You're an honest guy, you're a hardworking guy, you're a family guy, and all this good stuff that's happening to you, man. Is only the beginning. It's only the beginning. Step by step, that same patience, man, that same patience that has taken to you where you've got it now, it's only going to be in the future, man. I'm so, so happy for you. Really, really happy for you. Anything, any questions for me, man? Anything I can help you with? Anything? 
Tell me, man. Tell me more. I know you have been impacting uh, lives and I how you have done at these past few months. You know, I know uh, it's been tough, but I'm pretty sure you have you have been able to to still impact in life. But uh, how you have been doing through, you know, going through this situation? Content. What we're doing right now is is the king creating. Right. See, what happened was when. When we were young, what I, the setup that I have here, this didn't exist. You yeah. had to go to a movie studio, and it cost a lot of money. But what's winning right now, because of the internet, because of social media, we take the power away yeah. from the networks, the people, the normal things. So all I do is I help everybody in what happened to me. I remember I lived, I biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball by far, by far. My dad was beating the shit out of me I when know. I failed. Even yeah. in even in Miami Dade, he would yeah. be there every day at 2.30 there waiting. And we just didn't have that team thing together. Yeah. I I always felt I wanted to shine more. I felt that he enslaved me. I had so many things I had going on. I was always a nice guy. I was always positive, but I always wanted to be the guy, and that always hurt me. Yeah. I always wanted to be somebody I wasn't. Yeah, That hurt me, you know? I needed to be more like I am now, blue-collar, under the radar, only positivity, helping others, telling yeah. you you're the best, telling you you're good, and not worrying about me. Yeah, and me, 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 and I had that problem a lot. Yeah. And then when I, when I started modeling, and then J Lo had a TV show called South Beach in Miami, mm -hmm. and I go, you know what? I'm gonna go to Los Angeles and I'm gonna be an actor. So I moved to Los Angeles. I lived in a car for six months. I didn't know a single person. I wow. slept in the Hollywood Hills. Motora, what saved me was the professor that I took a lesson with, very, very famous guy. He created the Groundlings Theater. He directed Helen Hunt. You remember As Good As It Gets? Yeah. With Jack Nicholson? When uh -huh. Helen Hunt won her Academy Award, she thanked him. When I went to his class, after sleeping in my car for the first day, he's wearing a Houston Astros baseball jacket, the old one. Oh. And I, go, I go, you see, this is a baseball guy. So we connected through baseball. I became a celebrity baseball trainer in Beverly Hills. I worked with almost every celebrity's kids, did that for six years, got on a couple TV shows, but that didn't work out for me. Then I moved to Las Vegas and I started as a club promoter and I became one of the most powerful guys in Las Vegas. I became vice president of customer development for Hyde in the Bellagio. I lived at the Aria Hotel. Wow. That's when I shaved my head. I was losing my hair. I would put all these products. Motor. I did the hair Me surgery. Too. I did a little bit. Oh, yeah. I did the hair surgery. It went wrong. I shouldn't have done it. But in Vegas, I became myself. I didn't lie to people. I stayed honest. And that helped me so much. I did that for four years. Then I, I say it's God spoke to me and goes, the legend of what you have to do in life isn't going to end in a Las Vegas nightclub. And my life more money than I've ever made in my whole life. We're talking about one of my guys, one of my big guys, spent Motora in roulette. You know the game that the little yeah. hits the circle in roulette? 
Yeah. This guy would play a, a spin, three hundred and thirty thousand dollars a spin, wow. a spin. That's crazy. I, I I was the man in Vegas. I was very friendly. I was humble. I would care of everybody. Something hit me. I think it's God spoke to me and said, "You got to do more. You're gonna do baseball at the beginning with kids. You know, do baseball." And then I thought about what happened to me. I'm gonna connect parents and baseball. And I, I never wanted to come back to Miami. I love California. I love Las Vegas. Love the West Coast. I came here to marry my beautiful, amazing wife, who we went to high school together. You met her here. You met her in Miami. I know. I knew her in Miami, Motora. I saw her. her again. I saw her at high school one time. I never spoke to her. I saw her, and I go, this girl's gorgeous. But I didn't speak to her because I didn't have a car. My dad didn't let me go out. I had no nothing. I had nothing to work with. So I never spoke to her. But then when well, you, we connected, hey, but you had your game back then. I remember. Nah, I, I, had, remember I remember. Dude, I look. I had tremenda pinta, yeah, all that stuff, and I had the little swag. But yes, yes, I had all that, but I didn't have a car. Uh-huh. I didn't have a TV in my room. So you, you, know, you weren't, you weren't Tony Garcia. You weren't Tony. No, I wasn't Tony. Tony was the man. Tony, fourth <laughs> batter, the big legs. You know what I'm saying? Home run record. The hair, you know, dude, I was, I walked onto that team. I walked onto that day team that had guys like you, Yeah. but it goes to show you when you get your mind the right way, but I always sabotaged my baseball career because I had identity issues because I wanted to hit like Motora yeah. instead of being Hector Peñate. Yeah, yeah. Hated being Hector Peñate. I hated it, man, yeah. for a lot of reasons, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. So when I accepted me. I moved back here to Miami. I didn't turn on the camera on myself at the beginning, but I did. And I just started speaking my truth, speaking my truth. Biggest failure in the history of my baseball. Identity issues. I used to wet the bed. I used to pee the bed, Motora, till the age of 14. Because oh, me my, too. Because me my too. dad was beating the shit out of me. Yeah. And, and it was trauma that I was dealing with. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and everybody saw it and nobody stepped in, not even my mom. Yeah. Nobody stepped. Everybody allowed this to happen. I'm like, you should tell God, why is why is this happening to me? I'm a yeah. good kid, but it happened to me so I could come back now and tell everybody. I don't. I wish I wasn't associated so much with baseball, only because I like baseball. I don't love it. I like it. It's I know a little bit of it, mm-hmm. but I love people in all realms. I'm a big people person yeah. to help them. And when I signed, I became the first influencer to sign a deal with Rawlings, right? Hold on, let me show you some. Don't move, hold on. Yeah, I seen I seen the Rawlings stuff. Hold on. So because of my following, I became the first influencer to sign with Rawlings, right? An, an Instagram guy to sign with Rawlings. So now I have my own Rawlings glove with my logo. What the fuck? You know what I'm saying? My model, Coach HP. Wow. I, I have like three of these, bro, of, of these now. I, I talk about where I never had a glove growing up. I had one thing. None of this. This is so cool, but it's not important, man. Yeah, the yeah, three yeah. things that matter. The only the three things we can control, our effort, 
our attitude in everything, in your marriage, as a father, as a, as a coach, as a son, as a brother, as a fan, is your effort and your attitude. And then the third one, which I just added, man, as I started speaking and speaking and speaking, is expectations. If you learn how to manage expectations, and you said it a lot of times, when you learned how to control what you can control. Yeah. Yeah. Which is your effort and your attitude. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's it. You last year maybe you had a beautiful locker. What if this year they changed it and they put it somewhere? We're not having it either. We're not having it either. We're not having that locker. We're so not having. You don't have anything. So it's so it's how you adapt now. Adapt. It sucks. It sucks wearing a mask. You exactly. can't hear people. They put these. You just go with the process, and because yeah. it's it's long, man. Life is long. So Motora, just that, man. The talking, speaking all over the country, helping people. I get 500 to 1,000 DMs a week That's of awesome. kids from all over the world reaching out to me and just doing that, man. Just keep keep doing that. I have visions that I'm going to do a, a really successful podcast like we're doing now, yeah. but more on a bigger scale. I have visions of that. I have visions of speaking more. I have visions of having a, a show also uh, of commentating baseball a little bit, of doing interviews. Yeah. After the game, stuff like that. So that's it, man. And I feel right now in my life, I could do whatever I want. I'm going to be 100% awesome. honest with you because I come so honest and I work so much, man. You know what I'm saying? We were today. I had the family in the in the beach today at a beautiful hotel. I, I I'm coming back. They're over there. I'm oh, coming yeah. back to do this to you because that's how important. That's how serious this is. Yeah. To talk to you and to share your message to yeah. one kid, to yeah. one kid. You know. So that's 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 where I'm at, man. Last question, Motora. Last question. We're gonna say it in English and Spanish. What advice in English first? What advice do you have for parents? For parents, support your kids. Support them. Uh, be positive. Uh, even even if, for example, like sometimes you can go all for four, and you can. It's not like you're not gonna touch bases and talk a little bit about what happened and stuff like that. But there's always have to be a positive end. Right. So I think I think it's positive in the beginning. Ask what's going on. Finish strong, you know, and uh, and I think I have to thank my dad, my dad, you know, my parents. They still there. You know, I'm lucky. I'm lucky that they still alive. But I, I think that's what I got from him, what I learned from him. And that's what I'm trying to pass to others and pass to my daughter that that he was a positive person, you know, like you go to the field and you go and you're supporting your kid. But if your kid is the best player on the field, you don't have to tell anybody. He, we already know that, you know, those are the things that sometimes parents uh, hurt kids when they're really good, not just the, the average players, but the great players. How many times you have seen and you play with a lot of them that they were great players, but their parents were a dick. I'm sorry, right? Yeah. They, were, they were cocky. There were parents that my my kid is the best. And you know what? You know, the God 
you know, God will make you pay, right? So, uh, so I feel that you have to be humble at all times. You have to support your kids, even if they're good or bad. Because I think in sports, something that I get from sports, not just the discipline, but just to be around people, to follow rules, to, to respect others to respect your coaches and you have to leave your you have to let your kids to go through that you know i mean if you're not there's parents that are coaches and stuff like that that's different but if you're a parent that are taking your kid to a ballpark just go out there letting have let them have fun enjoy the time while you're watching them play but i think uh every kid deserves an opportunity to get better because all of them are going to get better. I'm not saying that they're all going to play that at, at the big league level because that's very tough and you can, you know, we right. can, we can all see that, but just to be a successful person by you playing sport and you doing that, uh, you're going to learn how to deal with failure. Right. And those are the things like in, in the, in the game of baseball, you deal with that at all times. So just let your kids, play the game and learn from from not just mistake because it's not mistake to to fail fail is not a mistake fail is because it's a part of the game right so just just let let them have fun and support them at all times vamos a irlo en español motora para pa acabar esto yeah because my english just ran out of gas no está perfecto está acabando no 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 tú estás en candela tú estás acabando Tú vas a agarrar un video ahora cómo hablar inglés, ¿oíste? Sí. Vamos, vamos para, para los padres. Bueno, Mensaje sí. para los padres. Sí, pues lo primero, ¿verdad? Yo sé que lo dije eh, hace un rato. Para mí, para mí el, eh, el padre, yo le tengo que agradecer mucho a mi papá y a, y a mis padres porque mi papá dejó, eh, me dejó ser yo, mi papá me dejó eh, fallar. Eso es, me imagino que es bien difícil para uno como padre ver a su hijo eh, no hacerlo bien. Pero yo creo que, que todos nosotros eh, debemos dejar a los niños experimentar y tener esas experiencias cuando las cosas no te van bien. Cómo tú vas a deal with, ¿sabes? cómo tú vas a lidiar con, esa, con esas experiencias. Y yo creo que en este nivel de, de niños y de jóvenes, tú tienes que dejar a, a, sea el jugador bueno o sea malo. Yo creo que lo que estaba diciendo hace un rato, Tú puedes ser el mejor jugador y algunas veces los padres le hacen daño a esos, a esos niños porque tú y yo jugamos con muchos jugadores que fueron mucho mejores que nosotros y tal vez no llegaron a lo que nosotros fuimos. Tal vez por el, el, ese, ese dolor que, o la presión que ese padre le, le metió a ese joven eh, cuando eran niños. Y yo creo que lo más importante es dejarlo jugar, que tú lo lleves al parque y que cuando salgan y no les vaya bien, este, tú puedas eh, buscarle eh, el resultado positivo a todos. Tal vez te fuiste de 4-0, y esto es algo que nos dijo ahorita, te fuiste 4-0, pero dejaste pasar un picheo que estaba bien difícil, y fue bola, y cosas así. Yo creo que tú puedes hablar de cosas eh, que no fueron tan positivas en el medio de, la, de, la, de las positivas. Tú, tú empiezas positivo, le dices qué pasó, le preguntas qué pasó, algo que sea más constructivo y que pueda eh, ayudar a ese niño poder seguir desarrollándose. Beautiful, beautiful. Motora, I love you, man. No cuelgue, no, no te vaya, pero voy a parar el recording aquí. Sí, sí. I love you, man. I wish you the best. Okay. We'll see you this year. We'll be, a, we're going to be watching you.
Thank you, man. Thanks for the opportunity. I think uh, this brings me back to uh, where we're coming from, and uh, it's been a, it's been a great ride. And uh, just to think about all those years that we, you know, like we have become friends, and we're still in touch now more than you know than back in the days. Yeah, back then, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome, and uh, I'm here for you. Anything you need, you know, uh, I, I would love to to go with you somewhere and try to impact some more lives, man. You got it. You got it. All right, dude. Have a good night. You too, man. Bye. All right. Thank you for listening to the episode. I love this episode, man. I love this dude, and I really like this episode. I love the story. Let me do a little outro. I I forget to do an outro. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. All Coach HP Productions, written, directed, starring, produced, it's all by It's Your Coach. So I, on the operation side, it's not my best side. I'm learning all this. So I forget sometimes to do an outro. I forget to do certain things, but I'm on it. So here's the outro. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the love. Thank you for positivity, for always sponsoring the Coach HP show. Honestly, subscribe if you feel it. If you don't, it's okay. Keep going hard, doing your thing. Love every single one of you. Have a great day. 